Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and what might be termed a trance slut. Who are you, friend? I'm Bex. I'm a sex educator and a sex blogger and no surprisingly little about hypno. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, Given I'll fill you the fuck in. Yeah. 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 So we were both just at this um, event that was held here in New York uh, by the New York Hypno Kink group, which is like a really vibrant group. I had no idea before I started going to their stuff, like just the extent to which the, these people are like a club of folks who like love to come together and like have have these great events and like are really involved um because i haven't seen anything like that in toronto like the one time i went to a hypno kink event in toronto it was like a class taught by someone who i had heard some shitty rumors about and he was teaching hypno 101 but didn't teach inductions which is like the the way that you hypnotize someone <laughs> Yeah, so we have, uh, it's part of TESS, the Eulenspiegel Society, who Mm -hmm. I volunteer with a lot, um, and there are a lot of hypno folks involved in the group, so they have Mm -hmm. uh, once or twice a month, usually, meetings that are exclusively hypno, Mm -hmm. uh, and this was one of their groups. Um, It's the first time, so I work door at a lot of the events for TESS, and I ha- it's the first one that I've actually worked uh, for one of the Hypno events, because it's usually the same night as Blunderland, one of my favorite shows. Mm-hmm. And I always wind up there instead. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough call. Yeah, there, there's more butts there, and it's just that kind of tips the scales for me. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's an interesting point, is that these Hypno meetings are like, from the outside, they don't look sexual. <laughs> like there's, there are rarely chairs in circles in like sexual groups for me. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. Just a lot of people talking. It's actually one of the trickier things I've heard about going to hypno events because you never know if the people you're about to walk up to and try to talk to are in the middle of a scene. Mm. So you have to kind of get good at reading that. And it's probably. <laughs> I mean, a big part of events for me, like, I don't always play at conferences and stuff. More often than not, I just attend to socialize and to watch, to just Mm -hmm. be around kinky people doing kinky things and see people, like, pulling out all of the stops for their kink. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I find we really show off at events. And that seems harder to do for hypno. Like, hypno doesn't seem particularly conducive to being done through, say, a megaphone <laughs> in a, like, in a dungeon yeah. space so everyone can kind of follow the narrative. Right. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> well, so to, to that point, there was a weird thing that kept happening at that event where, like, there would be this really loud beeping noise periodically because yeah. someone was trying to it's get into doorbell. the building. Yeah, so people would be in the middle of trance, and then you hear that, and you get immediately, like, jolted out of it. And I was like, this is literally the worst event <laughs> for that noise to be coming up. Yeah, I mean, it's also, it's a practice, like, theater space mm-hmm. that, that we meet in, Um and, you know, they rent it out for, like, performances and auditions and stuff like that. So it's, they're just brightly lit yeah. white rooms. Yeah. Which for Hypno, like, a white wall actually works pretty well. Like, I did, okay. a scene, I did a scene with someone who I had never met before. And I was facing, like, the direction where a bunch of people were. And this Hypno top was like, is that going to be distracting what you're looking at behind me? Like, do you want to switch spots? And I was like, you are so smart. Um, and I did switch last and there was like a, a white wall behind them. And that was actually like much easier for me to 
you know, drop because then it's, it's like trying to think of nothing, right? Like that, that kind of helps with getting into like flow state or a meditative state or a trance state is like, just clear your mind if you can. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I would think, I mean, maybe it's just the way my brain would work, but I would think like lower lit for me would be easier. Yeah. Um, but I also, uh, I mean, obviously it's harder to see in lower lit areas, but it's Mm -hmm. easier for me to not, like, notice everything that's happening, like, in a brightly lit room. Um, And I just find, like, bright light very stimulating. Yeah. Um, It depends on what you're doing, because there are some hypnotic inductions that rely on you being able to see something. Like, if uh it's, like, a a pendulum or a pocket watch or whatever. Um, And I've definitely also done hypnoscenes, like, outdoors, like, in a bright light. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it, it really depends on what's going on. But like, so I did a scene with my partner, for example, at that event, which as you know, was like really talkative. There was a lot going on in that room. Mm-hmm. And the first thing my partner did was like, you're going to like focus on me and like try to tune out all those other sounds. And like, this is the only thing that matters right now. Um, which is very eff- effective for me. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was good. But so t- to back up a yeah. bunch, yeah. um, erotic hypnosis, what was your, like, knowledge level or experience, if any, with, like, even the idea of this before I started dating a hypnoperv? I had heard of hypnosis. I was familiar with the concept, mm-hmm. like, in theory, what it does. Um, I think I had, like, if you had asked me about it, I hadn't thought a ton about it, so I would have had some, like, skepticism to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas at this point now I'm like, oh, it's a way to facilitate accessing an altered space. Yes, exactly. Like, not necessarily magic or mysticism to it, however you want to, like, shape it or view it um, for yourself, but... Yeah, I'm like, oh, I can I can see that as a way to access an altered space. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Um that but... is an interesting problem with hypnosis. I mean, there's there's so many misconceptions about it including like concerns about consent. Yeah. Um, but like one of them is that it's not a real thing. It doesn't exist. It's fake. And like hypnotherapy sometimes gets grouped in with like uh like reiki and like other things that people commonly think are fake or like energetically based woo-woo whatever. And it's um I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to uh, shit talk Reiki. I don't really know anything about it, but that, just as an example. And um, hypnosis has, like, a, a great deal of, like, research and backing behind it scientifically. It's just so commonly represented as a thing that isn't real. And cause I think part of that is that when you see someone in trance or, like, doing things as part of, like, post-hypnotic suggestions, it, they look like they plausibly could be faking it. Mm-hmm. And also, I think a lot of people have experience with, like, shitty stage hypnotists or whoever who, like, weren't doing a very good job. And so they're like, well, it didn't work for me, therefore it is fake. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, I think a lot of stage hypnotism just lumps it alongside with magic tricks. Yeah. Which, by definition, are tricks. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it's all showmanship. Yeah. Um, and that kind of hypnosis, I think, very much is designed to be as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's designed to put on a show. Um, but there is also some degrees, uh, you know, there are varying degrees in other ways of accessing it and that right. sort of thing. And for that matter, like, like, there are lots of kinks where you could do what might be termed tricks, right? Right, Like, exactly. things that are cool to show off at parties, whatever. Hypnosis has some stuff like that. 
Um, but yeah, it, it has this like weird association with like creepy stage hypnotists and like there's a lot of concerns about whether someone can consent or not, which is honestly a whole separate episode worth of stuff to discuss. But um, yeah, and and like honestly, I would say like a lot of my masochism is like showmanship and that sort of stuff. Right. Like I choose toys based on how they look almost as much as I <laughs> yeah. do based on how they feel like my favorite kinds of things to get hit with are the things that look fucking terrifying mm -hmm. or weird or look like someone just found that somewhere and went like, yeah, I could beat the shit out of you with that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, I was playing with someone who found a chain hanging on the dungeon furniture we were playing with and was like, <laughs> oh, that seems great, safe. <laughs> this works, and just, like, unhooked it and was like, we'll do that. And, like, I love that shit. But yeah. it's, it's because of the showmanship. But, right. yeah, there, like, there are varying ways people access these sort of things. Yeah. Yeah, so prior to meeting my partner, Matt, my experience with erotic hypnosis was <laughs> very, very limited. And I uh, don't remember if I told the story on the show before, but I'll tell it again because I like to laugh at this dude. Um, I had a um, friend with benefits at one point who was Dommy, and we are allowed to make fun of him now because he turned out to be an abusive shithead. So let's yeah. laugh it up. Um, so <laughs> I was at a party one time and we were doing like an impact scene and I was like really subspacey after a while and he like reached between my legs and started touching my clit and was whispering in my ear and to be fair, he did have a great voice. He would have been a great hypnotop if he knew anything about hypnosis. Right. Um, but he started talking to me. He's like, I'm going to count down from 10 and when I get to one, you're going to have an orgasm. And I was so subspacey, but even Sounds still, unlikely. yeah, I was like, ha ha, dude. Like this, I mean, it would be one thing if it was somebody who had never had sex with me, but someone who had fucked me that many times, like he knew that I'm not an easy nut to crack in that regard. So like, it struck me as particularly weird. Also, because we had not negotiated this, whatever this was. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he thought he was doing hypnosis, but that's kind of how I interpreted it based on my very limited knowledge of what that would be like. Um, and I think I literally laughed at him and said, that's not going to work, <laughs> which was my first mistake, frankly. Yeah. Like, like, I think it would have been likelier to work if I had, you know, agreed to go along with it. But I was just, as many people are about hypnosis, I was like very resistant to the idea because I was like, that's just not going to work. For right. Me. Uh, and that it didn't. Um, and... That was that. And I tweeted about it and someone was like, on t someone on Twitter was like, that's not even how erotic hypnosis works for those of it, those of us it does work for. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Maybe one day I'll learn about that. <laughs> yeah, I think I just never felt drawn to it because something that I think I did think of a lot um, with it, I definitely associated it with trance with this kind of like mindlessness. Yes. And, um... For me, um, whether I'm topping or bottoming, what I really enjoy a lot, because I tend to like more like immersive stories or like really detailed dynamics mm -hmm. or like intricate dynamics or whatever, I like to think that I'm trying as hard as I can and still losing mm. um, or topping someone who's trying as hard as they can. Right. And the idea of hypnotizing someone to like that more like blank slate area mm -hmm. i'm like well that i just did the cheat codes and went into the operating <laughs> system and that's less fun like i right. want you know it's like going to the end of the level in the second uh mario yeah. and like skipping to the end you know yeah well i've heard a lot of hypnotops talk about like kind of half jokingly that it is a good 
trick to have in your tool bag if you are a lazy top. Mm -hmm. Because, as you're saying, it does enable you to sort of, like, uh, circumvent some things or, or create shortcuts for some things. But I don't actually think of it as laziness. I think of it as, like, ingenuity. It's just mm-hmm. taking a different route to, yeah. to something. And and to your point, like, I have enjoyed scenes sometimes that are about me being blank because I do, like, intoxication play, and mm-hmm. it reminds me of that. It's like when I get so drunk so high that I'm almost not there, and then to have someone, quote-unquote, use my body, you know, consensually pre-negotiated. Right. That's really hot for me, so... I've occasionally done scenes that are like that with hypnosis, but uh, what I like more is like using hypnosis to manipulate variables that then affect the scene. So like my arousal level, my sensitivity level. Um, I did a scene with my partner the other day where I hypnotized them to be feeling very, very intense romantic feelings. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, what if um, your heart was turned on by me and your cock had a crush on me and I was kind of like <laughs> mixing these ideas together to kind of like in this like very perverted way access this actually very vanilla idea <laughs> of like romantic and sexual love being twisted together mm-hmm. um fun stuff like that so yeah it's it's like it's so much like bigger and broader than people realize like there's so much more that you can do with it yeah and I think between hearing you talk about it and I heard uh, a couple of presentations by Mr. Tactics at TestFest this mm-hmm. year about it. And it started to pique my interest because, like I mentioned earlier, I'm feeling more drawn to really, like, immersive storytelling in scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been really interested and fascinated with... <sighs> Uh, the ways in which our perception of reality is kind of what crafts the reality that we live in, right? Um, I mean, even down to, like, I was listening to uh, information about a study recently, and I'm going to butcher this because I didn't look it up before the call, (laughs) uh, uh, before the podcast, but um, basically uh, they would put a gun, you know, on a table three feet away from the participants, Mm Um, and if they told them it was loaded, the participants without fail measured it as closer. Um, just Mm. like estimated thinking it was closer. Right. Because it was viewed as a threat. Right. Um, because it's something our brain does. If we see a lion, we're going to assume it's closer than it is, so our body has a little bit of extra time to get the fuck away. Yeah. Um. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and just these ideas of what our brain believes is what it tells us is true. Right. Um, and hypno-type skills as ways to access that during scenes Mm -hmm. and as ways to create reality for a moment and create an experience and uh, allow someone to go through something. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, it it works really well combined with role play Mm -hmm. or any kind of scene where you do have to become a slightly different person or suspend your disbelief or something like that. Um, I saw a, uh, a class taught by Mr. Dream, who's, like, one of the big, uh, hypno-educators here, and it was a class about, like, hypnosis and sadomasochism, and there was a section about, like, emotional and psychological sadomasochism, mm-hmm. which, of course, was, like, fascinating. Um, and one of the things he did was that he made his demo bottom feel really, really afraid of his thumb and he would like hold it near her and she would run away and he would like come closer to her. And so, so he like created a thing to be afraid of 
which is so much different than like a fear play top who just is going to take out a knife, which right. is like you're already afraid of that thing. It's just a, a, a different way of like approaching that same idea. Right. It's so it's going to be a little, maybe this is a little bit of a stretch of an analogy, but just go with me on this because um, it's one of the things I talk about why I love genre fiction, like horror and specifically Mm sci-fi so much, is because it allows you to take these very human concepts and wrap them in ideas that are very much outside of our reality, Mm -hmm. things that we don't necessarily have to deal with, and it makes it so much easier for our brain to grapple with it because it's this other faraway thing, right? Like, I can be scared of a thumb because when I'm out of this moment, that's going to feel silly and, like, I'll be able to think about it differently and explore this idea of fear rather than Mm -hmm. something wrapped up in all of this cultural baggage, right? Um, Well, that reminds me, I was just reading a story about Milton Erickson, who's one of the pioneers of hypnotherapy. mm -hmm. And uh, he worked with metaphor a lot. And there's this famous story about Erickson where he had a client under, like in trance, who had chronic illness and I guess was struggling with like uh, Mm self-care as part of chronic illness. And Erickson started telling this person this story about Uh, like a tomato gardener, like someone like watering and caring for plants. Um, And your brain kind of, especially in that altered state, tries really hard to make connections. Mm -hmm. So this person had some kind of therapeutic breakthrough. I'm probably butchering this story, but um, I read a very highly paraphrased version. But this person had some kind of breakthrough related to feeling better about like um, their, their illness and like taking care of themselves because they understood through this story that uh, that's an important process, basically. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been like thinking a lot about like ways to use metaphor in trance cause it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because I've definitely come to more and more understand, like looking back on experiences that I've had in my life, they don't make sense until I have whatever the end of the story is mm-hmm. and whatever, I mean, I I more or less, whatever I decide that story is about, mm-hmm. whatever, however I reconcile that in my life and in my history, mm-hmm. um, which is a terrifying amount of power to have <laughs> over your own perception of reality. Let's just yeah. baseline, <laughs> like, let's just start there. That's horrifying. Um, but yeah, because the, you know, the stories that we say about what has happened is what kind of crafts how we view reality because there's only so much we can really look at right um and there have definitely been times where like i've come up with an analogy to explain something to someone else or i've said something and been like oh that completely changes how i think about that one concept yeah and yeah just like hearing a story or hearing something told in a specific way i could totally see that like yeah having a lot of power yeah so like one thing that i think about for me related to that is like I've always had trouble like relaxing during sex particularly around the idea of like bottoming and receiving because even though like I know I'm largely a bottom and a sub I date people who are mostly like dominance and tops but I still sometimes have trouble like accepting that like I'm I'm like don't you want me to be doing stuff shouldn't I be more active you know mm-hmm. so hypnosis like 
both metaphorically and literally, like, kind of forces me to receive. And, like, I can't do things when I'm in trance, really. Like, I can I can do some things, but, like, pretty limited. And so, uh, like, for me, like, it really helps with sexual anxiety. Um, mm. Also because you can, you can, like, tell someone in trance, like, suggest that they are feeling less anxious. Although that veers a little bit into therapeutic territory, which, like, uh, you know, can, can be therapeutic, but is not therapy. So... Mm-hmm. there's that yeah and I definitely feel like that is I mean it you always need to be careful about psychological landmines when you're playing with kink stuff as much as you do need to be careful about like not tying rope over you know nerve stuff and everything yeah um you know there are just as many psychological as physical risks to playing with kink but I think you're definitely like Waiting, you can definitely wait around in some really tricky stuff when you're playing with Hypno. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, a lot of the stuff we've talked about, I think it. Sometimes people worry me when they talk about Hypno. Yeah. And they're just like, yeah, I think one thing that worries me that I see a lot, um, the little bit I have peeked into Hypno stuff, um, is that the other side of that. Uh, it's not real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people will. People are don't necessarily give it the weight that they need to, mm-hmm. um, and are very quick to just like yeah, do whatever. Yeah, fuck around in my head. It's fine. Open it up. <laughs> poke around. Yeah. Change some shit. Whatever. I'll just live with that. Yeah. Um, and like I think this is. This can be a pretty risky type of play, especially with stuff we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, so um, there's this writer and podcaster who I would love to have on our show. Probably will invite her at some point. She goes by Sleeping Girl, and she just wrote this book. uh, Well, she has a podcast called The Two Hip Chicks, H-Y-P. If y'all are interested in this at all, you should go check that out because it's an amazing podcast, and they do trance every episode after a huge, long, nerdy discussion of a particular trance topic. But So she just wrote a book called The Brainwashing Book, um, which is about, like long-term quote-unquote brainwashing through Mm -hmm. hypnosis and she goes into in a lot of detail like the risks of this including like you might start to feel over dependent on your partner and it might create like a codependent like needy dynamic or what if you break up what's your contingency plan then um and stuff like this and so she she's like very very risk aware about it but she also acknowledges that this is like one of her biggest fantasies with hypnosis Mm -hmm. like a lot of like the big fantasies and kind of like the hypno fetish land are like very psychologically precarious, like brainwashing and mind control and superseding consent. And like, but, but at the same time, they're one of the most consent conscious communities I've ever encountered. And I think like, that's the reason is that like, they have to be in order to both combat these stereotypes and also deal with the fact that what they're doing is like potentially very volatile. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so that kind of, puts me in a very interesting situation because I feel like I'm coming to Hypno Mm -hmm. with a lot of those fantasies uh, that weren't necessarily through a Hypno lens, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I'm realizing, oh, like, I can just tweak the story around it, but this community has the resources I need to make these things that I'm into happen, and a lot of it Mm -hmm. is ideas around uh corruption and things like that and i know that's a really big thing yeah yeah. corruption and control and 
uh, again, this, like, creation of experience, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, that's my interest in it, too. Like, I don't fetishize hypnosis or trance itself, mm-hmm. like a lot of people in this community. Um, to the extent that I get turned on from being in trance, it's because of, like, a Pavlovian association at this point. Right. But uh, I more eroticize what you can do with it. Like, you can do hypno-bondage. You can, mm-hmm. you can, you know, sometimes my partner will make me feel littler for role-play purposes or... Um, turn up arousal, sensitivity, um, control, uh, where I'm feeling particular sensations on my body. Um, so that, yeah, as someone who like fetishizes DS, like it's huge for me. Yeah. I feel like it just wildly expands the tool belt beyond what physics limits with everything else. Exactly. Like, Cause yeah. you suddenly can do whatever you imagine. Mm-hmm. If you can figure out a way to creatively tell that story, mm-hmm. like, in a way that a mind can believe, you can kind of make it happen. Yeah, and even yeah. even just, like, overcoming practicality. Like, if you're somewhere and you forgot your rope and you want to do a bondage scene, you can suggest to someone who's in trance that they can't move their wrists. And mm-hmm. for me, that's very effective. Or, like, as I said, I really like to do intoxication scenes. Sometimes I kind of need to be intoxicated in order to relax if it's, like, a bad anxiety day. And uh, once or twice I've, like, been staying somewhere and forgotten my weed or not been able to bring it, and my partner will, like, put me in trance over the phone and suggest that I feel high Mm -hmm. and talk about, you know, what that would feel like. And it doesn't quite work as well for me as, like, the actual thing, but I was surprised by how well it did work. So it's yeah. cool for that. I saw that was another class I saw that uh, really, really interested me. It was one all about uh, creating both real and imagined uh, intoxicants or the sensation of being intoxicated by both real and imagined drugs. Yeah. Um, through hypnosis and they were like making up drugs that they were like this drug makes you like wear two different colored socks every day oh no you know like they (laughs) were like we could just whatever and it's it would be like a glittery purple powder that they would blow in the person's face and they're like now it's real (laughs) (laughs) Um, which i thought it was really cute and really fun and for a person who has a lot of intoxicants feelings yeah it was one of those moments where i was like Tell me more. (laughs) Um, But I think also something I really enjoy is creating characters, because something I love through story um, is anything with, like, really compelling and interesting characters and seeing what I can put them through. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's something I've enjoyed exploring as I've been uh, exploring topping more, Mm -hmm. is being like, great. Now I get to build my own characters and put them through experiences. (laughs) Um... (laughs) So, and I feel like Hypno is really great for getting someone to access a specific character space or allowing them to get deeper into that. And I was wondering if you had any experience with, like, stuff like that. Yeah, um, I think the most interesting or, like, out there one I've done is, like, my partner and I were interested in the idea of, like, intelligence play or, like, bimboification. Mm -hmm. Because we've, we've been talking a lot about our interest in humiliation with an awareness that, like, I have a lot of anxiety and, like, I just worry that the being humiliated for the wrong thing could really, like, set me off in a bad way. So we were thinking about, like, I've always been told my entire life that, like, complimented on my smarts, like, more so than anything else about me. Um... Which, which is, like, shitty in its own way because, like, when your best friend or whoever, like, constantly gets called pretty and everyone's just like, oh, you're the smart one. It's like, well, uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But 
but so it's it's this like very foundational thing in my identity and so we had been reading about um bimbofication or intelligence play and like i'm sorry i'm i'm gonna use words like stupid and dumb while talking about this which i recognize are ableist but they're part of kind of the tropes around uh this kink Mm -hmm. so uh we we negotiated the scene where like i was gonna be on the phone with my partner and they would put me in trance and tell me that um, as I was doing my makeup, um, like each piece of makeup would make me like dumber and dumber. Um, oh and and so after we they took me out of trance, we like got on webcam like on Skype or whatever. And I had set up like a full face, like all my makeup. And I started doing a full face of makeup just like piece by piece. Mm-hmm. And my partner was like talking to me while I was doing it. They would be like, oh, what are you doing now? And I remember at one point they were like, that eyeliner, that looks hard to do. And I was like, it's just triangles. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, I was in just like my happy little place, except like stupider. Cause usually my little girl is like a fairly astute, clever little girl. Cause that's who I was. Uh-huh. Um, and I... I was nervous about it because, like, sometimes when people do intelligence play, they will, like, make fun of you for being stupid, which is, like, not my jam. But my partner was – so we explicitly negotiated that. My partner just was, like, kind of, you know, laughing at me a little bit, but not in, like, a mean way. Kind of, like, a more bemused, like, oh, you're so sweet. Aw, cute little dumb girl, yeah. Oh, beeb. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it was actually really – nice to kind of like release that intelligence um because with all of that braininess also comes all of my worries and Mm -hmm. constant overanalyzing and all of that so to just be able to let that go and just have like a very very simplistic mindset where it's just like literally like what is the next item of makeup i need to put on my face and sometimes i would forget i would be like what like which is weird to me because i do this all the time Uh but it was like it was working so well that i was genuinely like oh does powder go before cream or just cream go before powder did i do eyeshadow primer already like how do you put mascara on again like it was it was really really wild um and quite unlike anything i've ever done (laughs) yeah was it interesting playing with like those tropes too of like femininity and stuff because yes. that's also something that's very very socially charged yeah especially i know for you i'm sure like yeah well so yeah i think that that was like the reason that i was able to do that is because that's not a stereotype i've really internalized for myself because mm-hmm. like i've always been like pretty smart and pretty feminine mm-hmm. um and i've no like no one has ever really particularly made me feel like those things are at odds i think mm-hmm. if anything people have sometimes insinuated that because i write about sex i'm stupid <laughs> or i'm vapid or whatever yeah and that pisses me off but um yeah the, the femme stuff i had not really internalized so that that felt pretty good and, and cool and then we had fun sex with me in like a full face of makeup talking like like a five-year-old which was just interesting (laughs) yeah well i and i think like i don't know for me i think that experience would be fun as someone who uh often accessed power by being clever Mm. to be able to still like be able to capture that power and attention yeah with that stripped away yeah i think would probably be really cool and and interesting to experience Mm -hmm. um and I like the way that, like, Hypno just allows you to kind of try that person on for a second. Right. Yeah. And um, I should say, like, all of this 
stuff, usually you, you like undo it at the end of the scene. Mm -hmm. So either you set it up like for this period of time, you know, this will happen. Like when we were at the hypno event the other day, oftentimes people would do these scenes in the middle of the circle and they would say, for as long as you're sitting in this chair, this effect will happen. Or like when you get up, it will dissipate. Um, but if you don't set that up, then you can like put the person under again at the end of the scene and, and basically just suggest that, that the effect has dissipated. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's it sometimes persists a little bit. I mean, it's hard to control and predict these things, but yeah, that's like an important component of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds a little bit like hypno can work similarly to the way service often works for me as like a tool where it's like, hey, I hate this thing. <laughs> and it's like, oh, but it's a service for a cute person now. Right. Like, someone cute wants me to do it. Suddenly, <laughs> it is the most fun job in the whole wide world. Yeah. Um, and I will do it the best 16 times. <laughs> um, and it sounds like you can kind of use Hypno similarly to kind of put it as a skin over yeah. either a kink or just something you're encountering in the world. Yeah, uh, it's, it's often referred to as, like, the hot sauce of kinks, which I know uh -huh. is, like, as in it goes with everything. Um, I don't <laughs> eat spicy foods. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. But yeah, I mean, I've heard you sim say similar things about service, and I feel similarly about DS. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so, like, to speak to service for a bit, like, there is a, some stuff in Sleeping Girl's book about training someone or brainwashing someone to enjoy certain, like, service tasks. Um, she mainly talks about it in terms of, like, Pavlovian conditioning or, mm -hmm. or operant conditioning. Um, like, uh, she talks about like walking around with a bag of chocolate chips and you give one to your partner every time they do something you like mm -hmm. or whatever. But, um, I think like the a more basic application of that would be like, you could, uh, if someone is, for example, like me and they eroticize, uh, giving blowjobs, but don't always like initiate them or, um, whatever, like, you can, you can, like, train someone through hypnosis or even just through non-hypnotic, like, conditioning to, like, eroticize that sensation. So, like, someone could make my, my mouth feel like a, a more directly sexual orifice or, mm -hmm. or something like that. Um, and that's something that I always found fascinating that took me a minute to kind of link with hypno is an idea, this idea of, like, conditioning and training. Yeah. That I've always found really hot. Um, I remember, like, way back in the day being at, like, training classes for pets that I've had and been, like, <laughs> and, like, had the person talking about how, like, the principles they put into training dogs, and I'm like, this is fascinating. <laughs> what are those feelings that I'm having right now? <laughs> That's interesting. Clicker training. You don't yeah. say, hmm. Oh, there's so much stuff about clickers in Sleeping Girl's book. You gotta read uh... it. Yeah. Um, they were like, you know, we recommend you buy one. I was like, I will take seven. I mean, one, it's fine. <laughs> I have one dog. I don't need, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, well, so my partner has given me a, like, a hypnotic trigger where, like, if they put their hand on my upper chest, um, it gives me a feeling of, like, groundedness and safety. Um, and I can even do it to myself. It, it has a slightly, you know, smaller effect. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's nice because like we can be out somewhere and if they like sense that I'm on edge for whatever reason, they can just do that. And that looks fairly inconspicuous. Yeah. Um, but it's actually some hypno pervert shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, this 
that sentence put me on a thought tangent and I need to bring you with me on it. Okay. Okay, first of all, if I had had that conditioning pre-surgery and then had surgery, that skin has moved. Is the trigger where the skin is now? Oh my god. Or where the skin used to be? Because the trigger is in my head. (laughs) (laughs) But the nerve endings are in a different place. That's very interesting, yeah. Uh, Matt, if you're listening, (laughs) weigh in. (laughs) I, I would guess it's based more on where my brain perceives the mm-hmm. hand um, probably would be my thought but it's fascinating also i had um a friend of my partner's message me recently and they did not know i was very high at the time <laughs> but they asked me what if they had sewn my nipples back on on the other sides how would i ever know <laughs> Oh my god. And I will never not think about that anymore. <laughs> Ever again. <laughs> that's, that's very unsettling. Jeez. What if my left nipple is on the right side, Kate? Wow. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> I'm not sure how to respond to that. <laughs> I don't know, but it's just... <laughs> thought is a part of me now and you mentioned that and it just brought all of that back up for me and i needed Mm. i needed i needed to share it yeah Uh, when you said that i had the momentary thought like what if my nipples have been switched and then i was like that's (laughs) when would that have happened yeah i I don't think that that happened (laughs) but i was like how would i know (laughs) what if when they were when they were assembling you at the factory Mm. they just grabbed two left nipples Oh shit! Is, maybe that's why. I, I, I don't know <laughs> how it's gonna. Why? I don't know how that sentence was gonna end. <laughs> oh my god! Even before I had surgery, I used to be afraid that anytime someone like tugged or put clamps on my nipples or whatever, that they were gonna fall off. Yeah, I remember. Like that. it was just a weird irrational fear I have. Yeah. Now they have been off. I don't know. I don't know how much I. I don't know if I can ever let people touch them. I can't feel them right now, mm. so I'd never know. But, <laughs> but uh, in the future, I think I'm constantly just going to be afraid. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's that's fair. I thought you, you were going to say that you faced your fear and now you're cool with it. But no, <laughs> it is proven that they are removable. It's a lifelong fear that your nipples are going to fall off, and someone finally <laughs> made them fall off. <laughs> No. Like a couple of pepperonis, just like... I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like this at all. All right, I think, I we're, think, I think we we're done the episode. think we should hypothetical. Uh, we're basically try that word at one the more hypotheticals. <laughs> I added some S's. <laughs> we're basically at the hypotheticals. Okay. I'm going to roll a J. Well, yeah, so uh, there's so much more to say about Hypno, and yeah. I actually would really love to reach out to Sleeping Girl and see uh, if she'll if she'll come on. Let's um, get some other, I have some, let's get some guests. Yeah. Let's get some Hypno folks. Um, if you are curious about this, we do have one episode in our back catalog where I went into this more thoroughly. It is called Forget to Remember, I'm pretty sure, and it's an interview with DJ Pynchon, who wrote a book about hypnotic amnesia. We also talk about winking kink, and um, we talk shit about creepy people in the hypno community, and it's a it's a good time. I would recommend checking that one out. So, uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Dildorks. I have been Kate Sloan. You can find my sex blog at girlyjuice.net and the rest of my writing at katewritesaboutsex.com. 
You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice, and you can listen to my other podcast. It's called Question Box. Where is your stuff? I'm Bex. You can find all my writing at bextalksex.com, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at bextalksex. Together with the Dildorks, you can find us at thedildorks.com and on the Dildorks somewhere else on Twitter <laughs> at the Dildorks on Twitter and also Patreon. Yo, I have four and a half hours sleep. Um, also, fuck, I don't know. Where am I? I'm Bex. You can find my writing at BexTalkSex.com and on Twitter and Instagram at BexTalkSex. Together, we're the Dildorks. We're on Twitter and Instagram at the Dildorks and at TheDildorks.com. You can also find us by searching The Dildorks uh, in your favorite podcast app. While you're there, rate and review us. It brings us up in the charts and makes it easier for other folks to find. You can also go to Patreon.com slash TheDildorks, toss a couple of bucks our way, help us keep doing what we're doing. And see our hypothetical episodes, which we're about to record in a minute, and will be even more chaotic than this. Thanks to Protodome. He did our theme song. Thank you to Amy. She did our logo. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. Yes, let's do the thing. Okay, my partner's gonna be so stoked about this episode. <laughs> All right, <clears throat> are we are we waiting for these pipes? <laughs> We're gonna be waiting a long time. <laughs> no, they they'll clear up after a bit. They've been doing yeah, most of the you know, day. more or less after May. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Remember when we would get those reviews on iTunes where people are like, what is that sound? <laughs> is your house haunted? Yes. I mean, you did say that one time, I think. Yeah, we like- definitely have set. So people who listen regularly, like, probably know what it is. But um, at least we don't have my, my creepy, like, windy window anymore. True. Very spooky. Which, like, one time I was recording an episode of QB and the guest was like, is your house haunted? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I wish it would be better than this. All right. <sighs> having a shitty roommate is basically having a haunted house. I was going to say, your house is haunted by someone who has sex at 4 a.m. <laughs> Extremely loudly.
Bedroom. Mm-hmm.